something comforting about the sight of strangers safe at home. Someone's phone is ringing, an incongruously joyful and upbeat song. They're slow to answer. It jiggles on and on around me. I can feel my fellow commuters shift in their seats, rustle their newspapers, tap at their computers. The train lurches and sways around the bend, slowing as it approaches a red signal. I try not to look up. I try to read the free newspaper I was handed on my way into the station, but the words blur in front of my eyes. Nothing holds my interest. In my head, I can still see that little pile of clothes lying at the edge of the track. Abandoned. Evening. The pre-mixed gin and tonic fizzes up over the lip of the can as I bring it to my mouth and sip. Tangy and cold, the taste of my first ever holiday with Tom, a fishing village on the Basque coast in 2005. In the mornings, we'd swim the half-mile to the little island in the bay, make love on secret hidden beaches. In the afternoons, we'd sit at a bar drinking strong, bitter gin and tonics, watching swarms of beach footballers playing chaotic 25-a-side games on the low-tide sands. I take another sip. And another. The can's already half empty, but it's okay. I have three more in the plastic bag at my feet. It's Friday, so I don't have to feel guilty about drinking on the train. TGIF. The fun starts here. It's going to be a lovely weekend. That's what they're telling us. Beautiful sunshine, cloudless skies. In the old days, we might have driven to Corley Wood with a picnic in the papers. Spent all afternoon lying on a blanket in dappled sunlight, drinking wine. You might have barbecued out back with friends, or gone to the Rose and sat in the beer garden, faces flushing with sun and alcohol as the afternoon went on, weaving home, arm in arm, falling asleep on the sofa. Beautiful sunshine, cloudless skies, no one to play with, nothing to do. Living like this, the way I'm living at the moment. It's harder in the summer when there is so much daylight, so little cover of darkness, when everyone is out and about being flagrantly, aggressively happy. It's exhausting, and it makes you feel bad if you're not joining in. The weekend stretches out ahead of me. Forty-eight empty hours to fill. I lift the can to my mouth again, but there's not a drop left. Monday the 8th of July, 2013. Morning. It's a relief to be back on the 8.04. It's not that I can't wait to get into London to start my week. I don't particularly want to be in London at all. I just want to lean back in the soft, sagging velure seat. Feel the warmth of the sunshine streaming through the window. Feel the carriage rock back and forth and back and forth. The comforting rhythm of wheels on tracks. I'd rather be here, looking out at the houses beside the track, than almost anywhere else. There's a faulty signal on this line, about halfway through my journey. I assume it must be faulty in any case, because it's almost always red. We stop there most days. Sometimes just for a few seconds. Sometimes for minutes on end. If I sit in carriage D, which I usually do and the train stops at this signal, which it almost always does, 
I have a perfect view into my favourite trackside house. Number 15. Number 15 is much like the other houses along this stretch of track. A Victorian semi, two storeys high, overlooking a narrow, well-tended garden which runs around 20 feet down towards some fencing, beyond which lie a few metres of no-man's land before you get to the railway track. I know this house by heart. I know every brick. I know the colour of the curtains in the upstairs bedroom, beige with a dark blue print. I know that the paint is peeling off the bathroom window frame and that there are four tiles missing from a section of the roof over on the right-hand side. I know that on warm summer evenings, the occupants of this house, Jason and Jess, sometimes climb out of the large sash window to sit on the makeshift terrace on top of the kitchen extension roof. They are a perfect golden couple. He is dark-haired and well-